Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. How many of you remember the story of the three little pigs and the big bad wolf? Anybody remember that story? The three little pigs and the big bad wolf? Well, if you don't know that story, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you what it's about, okay? Let me give you a summary of the short story. Once upon a time, there was three little pigs. And one pig, if you recall, he built his house out of straw. Well, the second little pig said, no, I don't want to build it out of straw. I want to build it out of sticks. Well, they built their houses very quickly. And if you recall, they sang and they danced all day. Well, because they built them really fast and they were actually lazy. That's what it was. Well, the third little pig worked hard all day and he built his house with bricks. Well, then one day, the big bad wolf saw the two little pigs as they danced and, and played and thought, ha, 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 what juicy tender meals they will make. So he chased the two pigs. They ran and hid in their houses. And the big bad wolf went to the first house. You guys remember this? And he said, let me in, let me in. And the little pig said, not by the hair of my chinny, chin, chin. You guys remember that? Yeah, you know that. So he huffed and he puffed. And he blew the house down, right? Blew it down in minutes. The frightened little pig, ah, freaked out, ran over to his brother's house, the second little pig that was made of sticks. Well, the big bad wolf came in, said, let me in, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. So he huffed and he puffed and he blew that house down at hardly any time. Well, the two little pigs, as you know, were terrified. And so they ran to the third pig's house that was made of bricks, And the big bad wolf came in and he said, let me in, let me in. He said, not by the hair of my chinny chin. And he huffed and he puffed, but he couldn't blow the house down. He kept trying for hours. He kept trying for hours. But the house was very strong and the little pigs were safe inside. And he tried to enter through the chimney as the story goes. And the third little pig boiled a big pot of water and he kept it below the chimney. And the wolf fell in to the pot, and died. The two little pigs now felt sorry for having been so lazy. They too built their houses with bricks, and they lived happily ever after. Now, you're looking at me like, Pastor, what does this story of the three little pigs have to do with our Bible study this morning? Have you gone crazy? Well, listen, I believe, guys, that this cute little story that we grew up with, it really illustrates what Paul is trying to communicate to the church at Corinth. You see, if you recall last week, Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, he said, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. Now, we didn't really unpack it due to time, and so we sort of left off there, and I said, hey, we're going to talk about it next week, and we stopped right there. But now, for the sake of our study, that's where we stopped. But let me remind you, moving forward, why Paul is writing to this church. I want you to grasp it. I want you to internalize what he's saying. There were some real problems in this church. There were some real issues going on, and that really is the case. When you bring a bunch of of misfits and strangies and weirdos and people and they get saved, you you still have some problems. Well, this church took it to the next level. 
And Paul says, now listen, listen, listen. Here's one of the major problems. You guys are still babes in Christ. He said, it breaks my heart. As a matter of fact, he calls them carnal. And if you're taking note, the Greek word is is sarkinos, and it means fleshly with the idea of weakness. He says, man, you guys are fleshly with the idea of weakness. And he says, now I told you when I came to you, I said, I wanted to tell you about the deep things of God. I wanted you to go deeper with God. I wanted wanted you to walk and be strong. He says, but you were still carnal. Y'all hadn't had time to grow up. And he says, you're like, well, you're like babes in Christ. And the word babes there means undeveloped who cannot understand the deep truths of God. He says, "They're, they're babes. He says, I fed you with milk, not meat. And everybody goes, well, why didn't you feed us with meat? He says, because when you're a baby, I have to feed you with milk, but eventually you'll start to grow where I could feed you with meat. But he probably says is that you, you're not even able to handle it now. Guys, you're still babes. You, you're, you're still doing this. And then Paul tells him why. Look at verse three. He says, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. How so, Paul? He says, you guys are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. You see, that's what's going on in the church. They were jealous. Oh, I, I go to Paul's church. Oh, I go to Apollos' church. Oh, I do this. I go there. And he goes, man, you guys are fighting. He says, you're quarreling. He says, doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? He says, aren't you living like people in the world? And then he says, when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. He says, aren't you acting just like the people in the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? Let me tell you who we are. He says, we are not only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each one of us did the work the Lord gave us. He says, I planted the seed in your hearts, but Apollos came and he watered it. But it was God who made it grow. Can I get an amen? Because that's really what's going on. And it's not important, Paul says, who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters, listen to me, works together for the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their hard work. That's what Paul, that's where we talked about last week. He said, guys, I'm nothing. Listen, I wrote, what, most of the New Testament, but I'm nothing. I've worked together with great individuals. And that's so key. And then there are some of us that go, Ben, I'm, I'm feeling old. I'm not sure if I could really do anything physically, but you can pray. And you can be part of the body and you can be part of the work as you pray. But he says, we're all in this together. And I think we missed that, right? Because in our world, guys, we have, we have just become, they have taught us competition. You've got to be the best. You got, and we even take this in ministry. Well, we're going to be the best and we're going to be the youngest and we're going to have the largest church. And he goes, no, no, listen, we're all working together. And what happens is, let's say Jeremy is witnessing to somebody at his job, and then I come in, and, I, and, and, and I'm able to water it, then both of us did the work. That's what Paul is saying. He goes, we're nothing. It's God who does the, gro- the growing. And we go, okay, I get it, I get it. And then he looks at this wonderful church in verse 9, he says, listen, for we are God's fellow workers. And he pauses, and he says, you are God's field, and you are God's building. You go, well, what is he talking about? Well, the first thing we need to grasp, guys, if you're taking out, he says, we are God's fellow workers. He's saying, we are partners in the work of ministry. Every one of us, 
Every one of us, we're partners in the work of ministry. That's what's so cool. That's what's so key. When I came out here 15 and a half years ago to plant the church, I couldn't do it by myself. And then I think about stuff today, I even think, man, we're all partners in the ministry. People who show up on a Saturday to go, yeah, I'll help clean. It's workers in the ministry. It's partners. People who go above and beyond in the ministry goes, hey, I'll do this for kids' ministry. I'll do this for, I mean, guys, think about it. That's what he's saying. We're all partners. Well, pastor, you get all the notary. You get, you get pastor after your name. No, Paul says, I'm nothing. And Ben is nothing. We're all in this together. As a matter of fact, he writes later on to the Corinthian church in his second letter, chapter 6, verse 1. He says, what then? He says, we then as workers together, together. I think a lot of churches miss that. We're supposed to be working together. We're not supposed to go, oh, well, he'll do it or she'll do it. We're all together. And here's what I love, guys. We're all, we're all on the same team. We're all on. Listen, I know that we have our, our favorite sports teams. I know that we go, we root for this team or we root for that team or, or whatever it might be. I get that. But when it comes to God's team, we all have the same jerseys. We all have the same jerseys. Now, division happens when we stop playing for the king. Division happens when we stop playing for the king. He says, we're fellow workers. Everybody goes, amen. Okay, I'm with you, Ben. And he says, now you're God's field. You're God's field. Now, Paul changes the image from the family to that of a field. He portrays the minister as a farmer working in the field. The seed is God's word. Now, again, we're surrounded by farm, right? We're surrounded by farmland, so we understand this text. On any farm, there are many different workers are needed. That's what Paul's trying to get. Now, in our day and age, we have, we have the, the, the machinery that does it all. You have one guy get behind the thing, right? And he just drives it, it cultivates it, it does this. But in Paul's day, he says, now listen, listen, he says, there are many different workers that are needed. One prepares the soil, the other plants the seed, a third pulls the weeds, fourth reaps the harvest. He says, but all of them share in the harvest and each of them receive wages. Oh, okay. He says, that's who we are. And just in case you didn't get it, if you go, well, I've never been on a farm in my life, he goes, you are God's building. You're God's building. And that's where we pick up our study today. Remember this. If you're taking note, the building represents the unified picture of the church community. That's what he's saying, okay? We are God's building. The question is, what are we building? What are we building the church with? Are we building the church? Are we building our lives with straw and with sticks? Why do I say that? Because you remember that the the Corinthian church wanted wisdom. They just didn't want to go to God to get it. They wanted it the worldly way. They wanted it the easy way. They wanted to go, you know, they want to lose weight, but they want to take a diet pill and maybe exercise maybe a minute a day. And he's like, no, 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 no. Here's the deal. You've got to work hard. You got to have that. Don't be lazy. And so he says, what are you building the church with? And so Paul says, no, no, no. Listen, I know that, that you're trying to build a church with sticks. You're trying to build it with straw. Let me exhort you to build it with brick and mortar. Why, Paul? We can stand strong against divisions. That's where we pick it up. Notice verse 10. He says, according to the grace of God, 
which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Now, we must grasp what Paul is trying to say. Paul says, only by God's grace, I was called to come and plant this church. That's what he says. And he said, and I laid the foundation. What's the foundation? Let's just be honest. The foundation is the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? It's the cross of Christ. It's Jesus. That's what he is going on right here. And so what he's saying, he says, man, I laid it. Now, he said, now here's the thing. Others like Timothy and Apollos, well, they came and they continue to put up walls. Okay, I've laid the foundation. They've come put up walls, right? But he said the foundation was already laid. The foundation was all laid. And he says, but each person who ministers must bring the same message. That's why he says, take heed on how you build it. Okay, Timothy didn't come and go, oh, I see you got a foundation here. Yeah, I don't like it. There's got to be a different foundation. I wanted to put up walls, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure this foundation of Jesus and him crucified is. He says, no, no, no. Take heed how you build it. There's already one foundation. He says, and again, think about it, right? Apollos comes and, and uh, well, who is this Apollos? Well, the one thing we need to understand a little bit is that we find Apollos back in Acts chapter 18. Listen to what it says about Apollos. Apollos comes in and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And this is Acts 18.26, if you're taking note. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now, that's so key. That is so key. Why? Because Apollos, he's got zeal. He's got fire. And he's, and he's preaching in the synagogues. And Aquila and Priscilla go, ho, ho, hold on, hold on, come here. And, and let me tell you a little bit more God more accurately. Okay, now we have a problem. Why? Because the problem is, is when we think, we as Christians can get to the place where we feel like we're unteachable anymore. Oh, I, I know it. Oh, I know it. Oh, I know it. And that's not Apollos. Apollos is like, oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. These people pulled him aside, lovingly said, hey, here, you guys, you can still grow. Here's, let me teach you more accurate. But guys, here's the thing. Man, when we get to the place in our lives where we go, man, I'm not learning anything. And here's what it happens. We've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And then we go, oh, yeah, pastor's going to be teaching on. Je- oh, I've, heard, I've, I've, I've read Genesis like 80 times. Uh, what else could he share? Instead of going, no, I always want to grow. But let's even take it to let's even take it to a deeper place in our lives, guys. You might be in a position of authority at your job. You might you might be doing your job for a long time, and here comes some. We can always learn from anybody. I always I can always say that we can always learn from anyone. I mean, there's there's new people in the ministry. They haven't been in ministry as long as I have, but I look at them like I can learn from that. We can never be to the place where we go, oh, no, I got it. I know it all. I got it. And that's what, that's what Apollos is, right? And so he says they, they taught him more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. When they arrived, he greatly helped those who believed through grace. For he was vigorously refuted, refuted the Jews publicly, showing him from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. And you go, why did you bring that up? Because Apollos is building on the same foundation that Paul did. So it's carnal 
It's flesh for them to be pointing to Apollos, saying, oh, I'm of Apollos. He's building on the same. He says we're fellow workers. We're fellow workers. And then in verse 11, back in in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Do you guys see that? When Paul came to Corinth, what was his determination? His determination was to preach only Jesus and him crucified. That was the solid foundation. He says, man, when I came in, I said, I'm going to preach Jesus and Jesus crucified. Why is that important, guys? Why is that important? Because it's the gospel message. And the gospel in the gospel message is everything you and I need to live life here on earth. It really is the gospel. And when we preach the gospel, we have to be careful because, listen, if you and I were going to build a house and we said, okay, what's the first thing we got to lay? We First, we got to lay the foundation. We cannot build walls without a foundation. But if we took the foundation and I said, okay, I'm going to put my, I'm going to put concrete, this is my foundation, but I leave the rest of it as dirt, I only got a partial foundation. And that's not, house is not going to look very good, is it? It's going to be on dirt. It's going to be on, I mean, part of it is, oh, man, that's, that's just, yeah. Well, be careful with that step. Why? Well, that's where the foundation is, but then I didn't finish the rest. You go, Ben, that's silly. Nobody would do that. But that's what we do when we don't give them the full gospel, the entire gospel. You see, the gospel is not only Jesus healing us and saving us from our sin, but he changes the way we think. The gospel brings peace to a weary heart. The gospel heals our wounds. The gospel will do all of these things, guys, when we fully understand. And that's why Paul comes and he says, man, I preached. I preached Jesus and him crucified. That's all you you guys got to grasp this. That's the foundation. From that foundation, we can grow. Can I get an amen? We can grow. Here's the application, and this is key. Listen, church, we must be careful that we don't build God's church on any other foundation than Jesus Christ and him crucified. We must not. Now you go, well, like what? Well, Warren Wearsby once wrote this. Listen, quote, in more than 30 years of ministry, I have seen churches try to build on a famous preacher. They're trying to build a church on a famous preacher. He says, or a special method, or a doctrinal emphasis they felt was important. He says, but these ministries simply did not last. The Corinthians were emphasizing personalities, Paul, Peter, and Apollos, when they should have been glorifying Christ. Guys, listen, I know you look around in first service and you go, boy, I just wish it was full. Yeah, me too. But the issue is we can grow a crowd, but that's not necessarily building the church. There's a lot of ways we can market the church to to build a crowd, a lot of ways. But that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Listen, we don't want to try to build on something other than Jesus Christ. We can't. 
We can't. And it's such a temptation for the pastoral staff and the leadership to go, man, we need more people. We need more money. We need, we got to do this. What do we do? Oh, I know. Let's, let's, let's try to do this and let's, let's bring, I go, here's what we're going to do. Next week is, uh, we're going to just, everybody bring a friend, right? We're going to pack this place out. And, and the issue is, no, we're going to keep teaching the Bible and we're going to keep emphasizing the gospel. That's all we got. The problem is, is that in our world today, people don't want to hear the gospel. They don't just want, they, they, want, they want stuff. I mean, they want other things. There's, there's mega churches built on, on motivation. There's mega churches built on rah, rah, go get them. And I get it. I, we all need that. But I can't stand before a holy God, and I don't think you either can stand before a holy God and go, no, I didn't, I just preached the God. I just preached what, what's in here. I just had to tell them what was in here. I just had to tell them, well, Ben, you're going to have a small, well, we'll just have a small church. Amen. Amen. Because I'd rather go to heaven with 50 or 60 or 80 people who love Jesus with all of their heart than with 5,000 who I don't know where they're at. Well, I know you can say that because, well, anyway, we're getting off here. But the point is, as Paul says, it's important, guys, that we're not lazy It's important we're not lazy, but we build God's church the right way. How do we do this? You ready? In any building, the foundation is the most important. Am I right, Adam? That's right, right? When it comes to building the church, we must build on the only foundation, and that's Jesus Christ. Why do you think the devil and the enemy wants to destroy that name? Why do you think he wants to keep it out of school? Why do you think he wants to keep it out of every public prayer there ever was? Well, you can pray, just say God. Don't say, because that's the foundation. That God himself, through his son Jesus, sent him to the earth to die so that we can be reconciled. Not only reconciled to, to heaven. Heaven is just amazing, man. But when we get saved, guys, listen to me. We don't go to heaven right away, do we? We get saved and we go, amen, I'm saved. Now what? Well, you got to live in this earth. Oh, man, that would have been better if I got saved and went to heaven right away. That would have just been amazing. He says, but how are you going to live in this earth? The gospel. we got to preach the gospel to ourselves all the time. The gospel heals. You know those wounds that you've been carrying all your life? You know those open wounds? Jesus, through the gospel, will come in and heal that. You know what, Jesus, you know what the gospel will do? The gospel will come in and he'll clean that, that, that house that needs to be cleaned in your heart. Guys, the church doesn't talk about this anymore, but people struggle. There's more people struggling with pornography today than ever. It's so readily available. Do you realize that our kids can get a hold of it at a moment's notice? And, and, and Satan comes in through that medium, and he destroys lives, and he destroys marriages. But the gospel can heal that. It can heal our mind. It can heal how we were brought up and how we were thought and how we were taught. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the foundation. Well, what about our lives? What about our spiritual lives? Well, we want to build it on the same way. There shouldn't be a day that goes in your life that you don't think about Jesus and how much you love him and how much he loves you. There shouldn't be a day you're going, man, my, my Jesus. Listen, is he personal? My Jesus. He's mine. He's, he's my Jesus. And he loves me. And, and man, I have a relationship with him. Ah, oh. ah, oh. and we can see the beautiful sunsets and, 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 and the creation 
that he's made, and, and it should overwhelm our hearts. That's our Jesus. And if we think it's pretty here, can you imagine what heaven's going to look like? The foundation is key, guys, and that's what Paul is saying. He says, we must build on the right foundation. The building is to be built on Jesus Christ. Paul went on to say in another place, listen to this. He said that if anyone, anyone brings another message other than the gospel, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. That's what Paul says. So he's telling us, you ready? When it comes to the church, when it comes to our own lives, we must build on the right foundation. Can I get an amen? What's the second thing we need to do, guys, when you're building something? We're building on the right foundation, but we also must build with the right materials. You got to have the right materials. Okay, and that's what Paul's going to say. Paul's going to describe there are two types of materials that people choose to build with. Which one do you think is going to stand, right? Now, one of the things that I need to point out right here, I feel like I need to point out, is Paul is going to be talking about works, okay? Works and rewards, make sure you realize it has nothing to do with earning or losing salvation. Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to the church. So he knows they're already saved. They just haven't grown, right? And so he's going to say, okay, let's, let's talk about building a foundation. But he got in there like, yeah, I think so. Now you're building with the right material, right? So it's not salvation. Everybody understand that? It's not salvation. It's works. It's works. We build them because we're already saved. We must fully recognize that the word of God is speaking to us And we can lose the interpretation and make it say something completely wrong. Do you realize that? Let me give you an example. If we don't give you the right interpretation, the Catholic Church took this portion of Scripture to prove their doctrine of purgatory. So when you ask them about purgatory, they go, oh, no, it's right here. And it says here, the fire will purify people in the next life to make them fit for heaven. And they'll use verse 15 as a verse to talk about purgatory. The Catholic Church did that. You're like, I didn't know that. But the modern church, guys, uses this to prove salvation by good works. So everybody's messed up, right? The the modern church is like, hey, no, no, no. See, verse 15 is about, about you getting saved. And you'll have that, right? Okay, how many of you are saved? I'm saved. Okay, how come you're not working? Miss Olivia, you should be working harder. You've got to be doing this, that. Now you just, and, 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 and we do all of that, and that's not what it's about, right? What should it be about? You ready? This is what salvation means. You need to just love Jesus with everything. Amen. The works will come, because you'll just, that's what we do out of love. Oh, I want to serve the Lord out of love. Amen. I love him. I love him. But think about this. This isn't the gospel message. Paul, guys, is talking about works, building the church, building our lives around the gospel. The message of the cross is the power of God to us being saved. That's what he says. So what, what, what can we build on? Well, let's use the right materials. Look at verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each work, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, 
and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive, help me church, a reward. Do you see what Paul's saying? He's going, okay, okay, let's talk, let's talk. Now, here's what I love. Let me just, let's just go back to that, that verse 14. If anyone's work which he built on it endures, he's going to receive a world. Do you know what I put down here? Yay, there's going to be Christmas in heaven. Because there, there's my reward, right? And, and you all love Christmas. Don't you just love Christmas? You wake up Christmas morning, you got presents under the tree, and it's just like, ah, this is great. Well, that's what's going to happen. He says, if you and I as believers build with good materials like gold, Silver and precious stones, he thinks, man, there's going to be an amazing Christmas, amazing Christmas morning in heaven. That's going to be amazing. But I want you to think about the materials for just a moment. Think about what Paul just said. He said, are you building with the right materials? I could not imagine us building a house to live in, right? We're supposed to have two by fours, even two by sixes, but could you imagine going two by twos? You'd go, Ben, that would be silly. That's like, that's like what? That's like sticks, man. It's going to fall over. Oh, no, that's good material. I got it cheap. I got it real cheap. Yeah. We're supposed to put studs 16 inches apart, right? No, we're going to do 24, sometimes 36. Don't worry about it. It'd be fine. Y'all are laughing because you know that is silly thinking. He says, but let's build the right way. Think about the building materials for a moment, guys. The gold that he talks about, guys, the silver, the precious stones, number one, guys, they're permanent. They're beautiful, and they're valuable, and these are hard to obtain. Wood, hay, straw, these are cheap, easy to get, passing away, temporary, and some would even say ugly. Okay. Now, I know what you're doing. Your mind is going back to the three little pigs, and you realize that the first two houses that the pigs had, they were ugly. They were ugly. But I want to give you a side note, okay? Let me, let me bring you back into what Paul is saying. He's saying this. Listen, if, now, if anyone builds the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, everybody got that, right? Now, let me show you something here, okay? Do you realize that the list, right, the Old Testament lists gold, silver, and precious stones as building materials in the temple? And this is what Paul is going to mention here in the next few verses. So in your mind, okay, in your mind, you would automatically go back to the temple, Solomon's temple that was being built. You guys remember, there were two temples. One, the first one Solomon built, and then the second one, Solomon was already gone. Um, Ezra built it, but then, but then Herod completed it, but it's all built with gold, silver, and precious stones. Think about that, okay? Let that dwell in your heart. You go, okay, okay, okay. But Ben, 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 I got a question. What is Paul really saying here? In, in verses 12 through 14, you guys ready? Jot this down. He's trying to, well, he wants us to see the real motives of why we build. What's our heart's motive? What's our real motive? He says, by the way, when we die and we go to heaven and we stand at the Bema seat, right, where, where God's going to give rewards, 
He says, unfortunately, here's the real motives. The real motives of your heart are going to come out. The real motives of your heart are going to come out. Did you build with gold? Did you build with silver? Did you build, or did you build with wood or hay or straw? What did you build with? He says, that's, that's the true motives. That's the true motives. Do you realize, guys, I don't know if you realize this, but they've asked a, a panel of pastors, guys, pastors who said they would quit the ministry if they could find a job that paid them the, the same amount. What's your motive for ministry? Your motive for ministry cannot be money. There's always something, a job you can make more money in. But pastors are going, yeah, yeah, what's my motive? Uh, my motive is, what's our motive for serving? The one thing we must not do, church, is twist somebody's arm to say, you're going to serve. Ow, you're going to serve. Because then the motives are all wrong. And that's why when we, when we come to children's ministry and I say, man, listen, when you're holding those little babies, you're praying for them. It's not just like, okay, well, I did my job and I served. That's wrong motive. God's going to, you guys see the point? You're building the church, but you should be going, oh, my goodness, Lord, protect this baby. God, please. She's going to, well, I don't know what she's going to see. That's another reason, guys, we go over to, to people's house, and, and when they buy a new house, we dedicate it. We put, we put oil on the, on, on the doors and the windows, and we pray God's protection around that house. We don't know. It breaks my heart every time I get a news alert that, that we have a runaway child, or this person's missing, or this child's missing, or, or a two-year-old's been taken by their uncle. Lord, please. Notice what Paul says back in our text. He says, now if, if you guys underlined that, you know that's a conjunction. If, if anyone, I mean, it's conditionality, right? It's conditioned. Are, are we going to do it? If, he says, now if you build with these things, man, you're going to receive a reward. And here's what I love about that. The reward in the Greek means to pay wages, salary, reward, recompense. And uh, apparently it's a primary word, pay for service, good or bad. Good or bad. Good or bad. See, Paul mentions, guys, Paul mentions rewards and wages. But what we've learned already is that salvation is a gift, not a reward. Are you with me? Heaven, heaven is already your gift. That's, that's God's gift to you through salvation. Amen? So you can't earn heaven. Well, if I just work really, really hard and I show up here and I do this and I give my money, then I get heaven. And don't you know a lot of people think that way? That's not a reward. Heaven is already a gift. But the reward, the reward, he says. He says, listen, guys, listen. If anyone's work which he built... On those precious stones, he says, if that endures, man, there's going to be rewards. There's going to be rewards. That should automatically say, I need to check my motives. I need to make sure I do for my king what I want to do and no other. And no other.
Well, if you're taking note, guys, we've talked about the wise builder in verse 14. He's building on, right? He's building with gold and silver and precious stones. Now, let's talk a little bit, guys, about the worldly builder. Look at verse 15. This is the worldly builder. He says, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, remember, if we don't understand the context, this is so important, church, if you don't understand the context of what Paul is talking about, right? What's the rule? 2020 rule, okay? Whenever you see a verse like this, you read 20 verses before it and 20 verses after it, and you'll get the context. If you take this verse out of context, it becomes a pretext, and then I can make it say anything I want. And that's what a lot of the churches have done. They go, oh, okay, but see, this is what it's talking about. No, no, no. It's saying if anyone's work, what's work, right? It's either gold, silver, or precious stones, or it's either wood, hay, or stubble, whatever it is. He says, you're going you're gonna to present that before the Lord. Here are my motives. Here are my motives. He says, if that, if, if the Lord's like, man, you're, you, you served for wrong motives. You did this for wrong motives. Pastor Ben, you pastored for wrong motives. Then it's going to be burned. And he says, and I'll suffer loss, but I'll be saved because fire purifies Think about this, guys. Think about this. The Christian worker, pastor, evangelist who is in a hurry to build a crowd but does not take time to build a church, that is someone he's talking about. This is the guy who goes, man, I need to build a crowd. I need to build, I need to get a lot of people out here. He is also the same one who tries to build his life by worldly systems rather than godly wisdom. Don't be in a hurry. You see, materials that come from the world are the wood and the hay and the stubble. Now, you guys are going, why is this so important, Ben? Why is this so important? Well, listen, because Paul is deeply concerned because these workers are weakening the lives of believers rather than strengthening them. That's what he's doing. He's saying, guys, no, no, because you're preaching this and there's division, you're actually weakening. You're actually, you're not strengthening the believers. I like what the psalmist says in Psalm 66, verse 10b. He says, for you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us like silver. You have tested us, Lord. Test us. Check my motives, Lord. Jot this down. I think this is important. You ready? The Christian walk is not a sprint. It's not a sprint. Sometimes we come out of the gate and we're moving so fast. And we don't have time. Well, we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this. But the Christian walk is actually just a really long run, growing and strengthening. Verse 16, he says, For do you not know that the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Did you see that? All these precious materials were used to build the temple, Solomon's temple and Herod's temple, He uses the same one to build you. 
listen to that. He says, don't you know that you are the temple of God? You are. Guys, listen, we are the house that Jesus, our Lord Jesus, lives upon this earth. You are the house. Think about this. Paul writes in, in, to the Galatian church, he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, not I, but Christ that liveth in me. The life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. He says, listen, I am crucified. He says, but I'm still alive. But really, God lives in me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 says, But know ye not you are the body, the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have God, and you are not your own. So what's he saying? You realize that you're the temple of God. You're the temple. Now, listen, here, here's quick prophecy, okay? Over in Israel right now, they have something called the Temple Institute, okay? They're wanting to build the third temple, the third where they can worship and they can offer sacrifice, the third temple. Now, if you go to the Temple Institute, you'll see them. They have all the utensils in there. You can pay 10 bucks, go in, you can see the whole thing. They're trying to do that right now, okay? The problem is, is that where they want to build the third temple sits the Dome of the Rock, okay? So there's the big, that's the big deal. But they're waiting, they're waiting. But the third temple, guys, there's not, I mean, that's going to be built, but, but what God says is, listen, I don't need another temple because my church is the temple. You guys. You see, Christ is not going to dwell in a building. He dwells in the hearts of y'all. And what he says, guys, check this out. This is so stinking cool. Why? Because here's the thing. Notice what Paul says. Look, let's go back to verse 16. He says, do you not know that you, if you look it up in the Greek, it's in the plural. So he's not going you. He's saying, what's he saying? He's saying, this is the house. This is one body, one church. He says, y'all. If he was from Texas, y'all, it's in you. Ewans. But check this out. Check this out, guys. Ooh, this is so cool. This is so cool. The word temple there is just not the temple. If you think about the temple, you had the outer court, then you had, right, then you had the court of the Gentiles, and then you moved in, and you had the holy place, but then it says, then later on, you would never go into the holy of holies. That's where God's presence was. Do you know what he's referring to here? the Holy of Holies. He says, God's presence lives in you. You're that holy place. Now, man, doesn't that rub us? Don't, don't you just go, that's not me. That's not me, man. If, oh, I'll tell you what, I was so busted because it's like God's holiness lives in me. Ah! Oh, no. The Holy of Holies, this is the presence. He says, listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Listen, do you not know that you are the Holy of Holies where God's presence is? That really convicts me. I don't know about y'all, but it convicts me. Why? Because I don't want to take the Holy of Holies and have him see the things that I see. I have him hear the the things that I hear or the thoughts that I think. I want the Holy of God's presence is in me. Wow. I need that to be good. I need that to be good. Why? Because if the Holy of Holies lives in me, it's got to come out. It's got to come out to everybody I meet. It's got to come out. I love that. You are the very place that God dwells. His very present in your heart. And then he says, build in him. Build in him. Build your life. 
Okay, we're going to close our study with verse 17, but I don't want you to put your Bibles away, guys. We're just going to close, okay, because I know we're running out of time. We're going to close. For you see, Paul will address some who try to destroy the house of God. Now, your mind already went back. Where did it go? To the big bad wolf, okay? Paul says, okay, now listen, there's going to be some that are going to come and try to destroy you, okay? Look at this. Look at verse 17. He says, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are, okay? If you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word for defiles because it actually means destroys. It means destroys. It means cause to cease to exist. That's what I mean. He want, He says, if anyone, if anyone tries to corrupt you, tries to cause you to cease, to stumble your walk, to destroy God's presence in your life, God will destroy him. Why? Why would God do this? Because you're the temple of God, and the temple of God is holy, and you are holy. You are holy. Now, I know what you're like. You go, Ben, I'm not holy. Promise, I promise I'm not. No, it's because, it's because the gospel made you holy. And when God sees you, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus crucified. Oh, that should rend your heart, guys. That should, oh, Lord. Help, my, help me to build my life. Help me to build this church on the holiness and the presence of who you are in my life. Help me to build those friendships that way. I trust in you, O oh Lord. You are my God. And you are my King. You see, there's a person that might come into your life and huff and puff and try to blow your house down. And God says, nope, not going to happen because that one's mine. That one's mine. He's mine. Listen, church, what are we trying to build here in Lubbock? We're trying to build a church that will stand the test of time. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's our foundation, guys. All the other ministries... All the other ministries should be built on that foundation. When it comes to kids' ministry, worship, men's fellowship, grace outreach, blessing bags, fellowship, whatever it might be, cleaning the church is built on the foundation of Jesus. You crucified. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. Thank you for your great love for us. We love you so much, Lord. We bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. 
Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.